Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And I did it again. I almost said, couldn't remember if I say with my husband or by my husband. It's just all so automatic. It's confusing. (laughs) Anyway, if you're tuning in for the first time, in this show, we talk about... um, publishing and marketing tips for authors and motivational quotes. And we give a lot of advice on and ideas on the craft of writing itself based off of great and awful movies. And today's movie is... Awesome. Oh, is it? Just oh, oh, sorry. The Last Starfighter, which is awesome. <laughs> well, it, it was a good movie. I, I did enjoy it. The first time I watched it, I think, and I'll talk about this in one of my takeaways, but briefly, but I didn't really pay very close attention to it. And the reason is... I'll get. I'll talk about it in my takeaway. Because you don't care. Because your your heart is made of stone. My, I have a stone of heart. No, a heart of stone. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, a little update. Uh, we are running into a little bit of a of a scheduling snafu with Kevin. Uh, that's as in Kevin J. Anderson. So we still plan on doing Throw Mama from the Train, but we might have to schedule it for long distance with him. Uh, the organizer for the conference shortened the conference by a couple of days and has made it so that our evenings and when we are going to be organ or recording are going to be very booked. And so, yeah, so we'll see if we, we can do about that and get that organized and everything. And I finally finished today, finally finished my presentation for the conference and I'm kind of excited about it. And actually, Nolan, I'm thinking about recording it tomorrow as a, a mini pod, a mini course, like a $10 mini course. It's about Amazon algorithms and automation sequences and using them together to, uh, to increase your results. And I would charge probably 10 minutes for it or $10 for it. I would charge 10 minutes for it too. Your time is precious. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, you have to give me 10 minutes of your time. Of your life. Of your of your life. Yeah. So chop it off at the end of your life and give it to me. Yeah, it's Halloween. We could do that. Yeah, it's true. Or we could, um, you could also give me your firstborn child for me to sell. Or just have no, work as... They sell it and give, them the money, give you the money. I mean, you Oh, that's true. I don't have to do the legalities. It's just, such, it's just a hassle. It's true. All right, sell your firstborn child and give me the money. Or send him to me to be a slave. I don't know. I don't really care. We got a lot of laundry. <laughs> we do. Especially with the trip coming up in two days. <laughs> anyway, and I think it's funny. Last week we were talking about a movie we would do for Halloween and, you know, throwing ideas out. And then I realized a couple days ago that we've watched The Ghost of Mr. Chicken with our five-year-old multiple times. And that is a Halloween movie. So we're going to do that one for Halloween. And it's a great movie. I, I It's so cute. Anyway, all right, so do you want to give us our motivational quote? Yes. If, you are, if you're sick of starting over, stop quitting. By unknown. <laughs> By unknown. Man, unknown is really popular. Anonymous, too. Anonymous is popular. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously don't quit, but sometimes you have to re-strategize. Yeah, take a break for a little so bit. So sometimes you do have to stop projects that are unprofitable to you. It's yeah. just... I guess wisdom is knowing when. And knowing which projects are going to be profitable. Because if you start project after project that will never make money, then yes, you are starting and quitting and starting and quitting. Yeah, you, know? you might as well just finish one, even if it's not doing any good, just to have finished one. Yeah. Because like we've said, finishing something, even if you don't think it's your best, because maybe your first book is not your best book and you know that. Yeah. Sometimes just finishing the process is... Valuable. Valuable. Yeah. Anyway, so let me see that again. Which one was it? Yeah, it's the... 
LSF by it. If you're sick of starting over, stop quitting. So, um, and that's a lot of, a lot of times it's not experienced writers or authors that do that because once you've been experienced, you know, the value in finishing a book you start is when you first start out. And Josh has admitted on this podcast that he has started several stories and he has never finished any of them. What a dark secret to share I know. on this podcast. I know a podcast for writers and authors. Okay. Heavens. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, Josh. We forgive you. Uh, anyway. You forgive him. Oh, you don't? No. You don't forgive him? (laughs) It is not my place to forgive, nor is it your place to forgive. It's not going to benefit you any. You haven't hired him to write books. Yeah, how am I supposed to support or mock him if he doesn't... (laughs) If he doesn't publish anything? (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway, if... So, finish finish what you start, and there was some... There was, like, a rule somebody said, like, write every day, finish what you start, publish what you write. I can't remember who, where it came from, but it's good advice, you know? Thanks, thanks, that person. Just like anonymous anonymous or unknown (laughs) in this case. Yes. All right. So the tip for today is our last tip on editing. And last week, last week we talked about self-editing and, but basically whether you hire an editor or do it on your own, you need to keep grammar books and websites on hand and question everything, especially words you're using and rules you're following. Even if you, even if it's a word you think, you know, for sure, I would double check it unless it's something like forest, you know, but there are words that people use regularly that they use improperly. Like, uh, what was the, the one that I always mix up with another one? Tragedy versus travesty, right? I always say one when I mean the other one. So double check words like that just to make sure you're using them correctly. And even question the rules your editor follows. Just make sure you understand why they are making changes or suggesting changes. That's the fastest way for you to grow. Um, Remember, this is your career, not your editor's career. And I'm going to, I probably drive my editor nuts because I challenge her sometimes on things. Not because I think I know better, but because I'm like, well, when we first started out, this is the way we did it. And she's accused me of having a very good memory. (laughs) But, but she's like, things change, things get more lax, you know, because when we first started out together, um, nine years ago, you weren't in narrative, you weren't supposed to use contractions. So he wasn't, was he was not. And, but that changed really quickly after she and I started working together. Um, which I appreciated because I refused to do it. And when she was my representative at a publisher, she had the right to tell me I had to do it. And yes, our window is open. So if you're hearing sounds outside, it's it's blazing hot in here. We are not closing the window. We're also recording during the day and our children are watching movies. So we might get interrupted. So my process is I self-edit, meaning I work through the book. I work, okay, so I dictate it. Then I send my book off to Heather, my beta, my dragon reader. She makes it sound like English, sends it back to me. And I work through the book once. And then I do my out loud read through where I have, um, what's it called? Natural reader read to me. And I follow along and I find words that are used incorrectly and missing words and things like that. And just as a hint, change the font size or the line spacing when you're doing that because it makes things pop out more. And then I... And then I actually send straight to my editor. I used to send beta readers and I used to use two to three groups, as I mentioned before, and I used to send author friends. I don't do any of that anymore. I actually send straight to my professional editor because I have discovered that the things that they were catching, she caught or I caught or my street team catched would catch later on. And it just slowed down my process by quite a bit. When I was first starting out, I needed that because I needed the space and I needed more time to work on a book and I had more errors. But now that I've done it for a while, uh, I generally just, I, I do my own, my own edit and then my out loud edit. And then I send to my editor 
And then when she sends it back to me, I do I do her revisions. And sometimes if I have time, I'll do a last out loud run through before sending to my my RCAST team, which is Andrew's review, review crew and street team. And they catch they catch good typos, you know. Most of them only catch three or four, but there's usually like an over, not very much overlap. And so almost all the typos get caught that way. So yeah, make sure you hire a professional editor. And if you can't afford one, then go back and listen to the podcast episodes where I fi- give you options for how to get around that. Are you ready to discuss the movie? I am ready. Um, all right. So let's see. I think what we're going to be doing instead of... Um, uh, going over like a huge rundown of the movie, we should probably just read the IMDb sure. thing. Okay, so um, we're going to use the one the plot summary from IMDb because they generally are shorter and more concise than our rambling for five minutes trying to give the plot set up and everything. But it says, video game expert Alex Rogan, and by the way, when I first read that, I thought he was talking about like a 40-year-old you know, <laughs> video game expert. He's 18. Alex Rogan finds himself transported to another planet after conquering the last Starfighter video game, only to find out it was just a test. He was recruited to join the team of best Starfighters to defend their world from an attack. Not the most fantastically written summary, but it is fairly accurate, I would say. Yeah. He's not a video game expert. He's a Last Starfighter, the arcade game expert. Exactly. It's the only one we ever see him playing. And it's the only one in their town, I mean, that we know of. Yeah. Which is pretty much the same thing you just said. Which is not really a town. It's it's not. It's cute. It's a trailer park. It's adorable. Yeah. Anyway. um, Let's see. Do you have any comments on the characters? No, I'm. This is this is um, Excalibur. This is drawing the sword from the stone. Yeah, pretty much. As the the uh, writer of the movie said, mm-hmm. so he's like a nobody, basically. Yeah. I mean, he's well liked and well known in his in, in his, his neighborhood. little neighborhood. Um, he's not wealthy. It's a trailer park. Mm-hmm. He has to help his mom, who I assume is single. We never see a dad. Help helps her out by doing odd jobs around the trailer park, which interferes with his personal life. Yeah, which and he wants to go and hang out. But he also wants to get out of the town, and so it interferes with, interferes with a lot of things. Exactly. Um, so he's, we see that he's a good person. He does he does choose to help out because he's like he could just blow it off and go with his friends, but he decides. So, you know, his mom's like, please, can you, you know, help us out? And he says yes. And Beta Alex sucks at doing all of his random ta- tasks. Yes. He, he gets a robot clone later that doesn't know how to do anything. And that's adds in so much awesome comedy. I really liked about Beta Alex. Yeah. So we have kind of like a dual fish out of water. Yeah. Because we have um, real Alex in outer space mm-hmm. who doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he's like clueless most of the time. And we have his uh, robot clone on Earth. <laughs> Who doesn't know what's going on on Earth and is clueless most of the time. And exactly. When the girlfriend, you know, Tries to comes on to him, he's like, what the heck, you sex-obsessed, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't get all these gland games. So. <laughs> yes. And she, like, gets so mad at him. She slaps him several times. And I'm just going to take me and my strange sexual urges somewhere else. <laughs> so awesome. I have to say his girlfriend is fantastic. So is the community, though. They're very supportive. Like, he's playing this game, and when he's getting a high score, she looks, and she's, like, she freaks out because she knows, because she knows what he does, you know, when he's playing that game. And he doesn't spend all his time playing the game. He spends a lot of it with her, but at least she knows what's important to him it's, and it's why. What he, yeah, it's what he does when he blows off steam. Yeah. Like, when he's this... Because, like, you know, he... He was going to go hang out with her and his friends, but he stays and patches the electrical. So when she comes back from having fun, he's there playing the game because it was too late for him to go join everyone. Yeah. And so that, and he's angry. Yeah. And And she's frustrated frustrated too because he didn't join her. And she's like, I thought you were going to come. He's like, well, I like literally just stopped 
helping people and yeah. now it's nighttime exactly. and now you're back anyway so i've yeah. only been here for like five minutes playing this and what i loved about it is like nowadays i mean if a girlfriend got back she'd be like give me your attention stop paying, playing a video game and not even care that he needs to do it to calm down but this girl you know she like looks at his score she she's involved and supportive you know and i yeah. love that about her mm-hmm. and like the whole town comes and watches him. yeah comes to watch him they're like he's gonna beat the high score yeah and so he beats he beats it Mm-hmm. He does. He pulls the sword from the stone, if you will. And he meets Centauri. And that sends, yeah, a message to Centauri, who is an alien who sent the games out. Yeah, who actually created the game. He yeah. merchandised it, got it out before Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> so funny. And he's also kind of a fish out of water because he mixes up his metaphors and yeah. sayings with alien stuff all the time. And he gets in trouble with his the, the aliens around him. I mean, he's, he's not sh- exactly one of them. Either. He's a shyster. He's a... He's a known con man. Yeah, he's trying to get money. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, oh, awesome. like, oh, up to your old tricks, you know? I mean, he plays that character throughout. So that's the setup, you know? He's like, his outlet is this game. Mm-hmm. And he wants to get out of this town. And he he does because he beats the game. And he did yes. not know that that... He didn't expect that to be his way out of town. Yep, so Centauri shows up and like basically kidnaps him and replaces him with uh, Beta Alex. Beta Alex. And... Uh, the robot that takes over for him and screws up his life while he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to impersonate him yes. and sucking at it. Yeah. And then um, he goes to be a starfighter. He gets taken to be a starfighter, which he doesn't know why he's going or where he's going or whatever. Yeah. He's just like... He's like, what's the, what's the what the crap, you know? And everybody's like, I'm a starfighter. And he's like, what yeah, the crap? Yeah, good for your death. And, like, where's, and he yeah. walks away. He's like, uh, like where's yeah, Centauri? <laughs> Get me out of here. Right. So he, he rejects his quest. So this, this movie is... Basically, a hero's quest. It is the hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, sword and stone esque. Mm-hmm. And there's a good uh, fail, fail, try. But it's not him failing at stuff, it's him rejecting um, the hero's role. It's, yeah, stuff the... that's been thrust upon him that he's not choosing for himself. It's not till very late in the movie, actually, that he accepts. Yeah. It's actually Even after late. he try- calls Centauri back, he still hasn't accepted. He's like, Ex- fix my life, you know? Right, because Beta, yeah, Beta's screwing his life up and he doesn't take Beta back. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's here to protect you. You're going to be having people attack. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's he's in space and he's like, I don't want to be a starfighter. And he's like, don't you know what an incredible honor it is? He's like, actually, no, I don't. I have no I idea what's care. going on. <laughs> like, uh, there's a war starting. I don't I'm not part of it. And he's yeah. like, like, you are, because if we lose, everyone loses and yeah. you will be enslaved. And besides, they brought attention to Earth by going there and getting him in the first place. Exactly. So, I mean, he's not. He's yeah. involved whether he wants to be or not now. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of has to accept that. Later, he does. Yeah. After shooting happens yeah after exciting stuff and he realizes hey i can do this i'm important and you know yep. people actually need me and he realizes that what he is wanting to get out of his little trailer park is pretty much the same thing as him ending up in a different planet you know yeah because he's like i want to go to away to the college in the city it's a very vague yeah um and take maggie with him his girlfriend mags Mags. he doesn't have a plan he wants to go to college but he doesn't have a plan for what he's going to do really he just wants to get out we don't see that he has i mean he does have a plan but it's not described to us what what his major is or what job he's going to do but i mean he's pretty capable yeah and he did get into college but he couldn't get the loan to get to Mm -hmm. pay for college because he doesn't have any money they're poor um so he ends up not being able to go it's not because he's not 
capable. Mm-hmm. It's or not because motivated. he's incompetent or not motivated, but his circumstances have prevented him from doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's what why he's so frustrated. He's talented. Mm-hmm. He has abilities. He's a good guy. Yeah. But he still can't figure out a way to go anywhere with his life. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Um, the opening scene, I liked it quite a bit because it established normal very nicely. And a lot of times you need to establish normal so you can break normal. And it shows his whole community rallying around him. It shows his relationship with his family, his girlfriend, you know, even the, um, the Starlight Starbright owner. You know, it shows everything, oh, how, how they all work together. Mm-hmm. And then how the the last Starfighter game plays into that. Yeah, it's not that he has, he doesn't have a bad life. It's not abusive or anything. It's just you know he wants more. Yeah, exactly. And he feels like he can do more. I mean, he does a lot of stuff. He's capable. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's like, what the heck? A lot of people around here, you know, can't do half of what he can do. No. Yeah. Yeah, and um. Uh, yeah, the pacing's good. Uh, I actually enjoyed watching it once it does I take quite a while to get to the inciting incident. It does actually. That's a really good point, but it still it wasn't boring. And the inciting incident is when Centauri shows up, right? Yeah, when he beats the game. When he yeah. beats the game, that sends the signal to Centauri to recruit him. Yeah, and that gets the ball going. Yeah. So it's but not like the inciting waiting. incident to him would be when sorry Centauri shows up because yes. he doesn't realize the beating the game is gonna is doing anything. He probably wouldn't have done it if he'd known. Oh no, <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of showing and telling. Like they they do a good job with show and tell. You know, mm-hmm. it's um and it's it's not a very plausible movie, <laughs> but you don't say. Yeah, I do say. Anyway, but no, they they did they did good storytelling. You know, they have good characters who are solid and have motivations and things are working towards. Like Maggie just wants to drift along and hang out with friends. She doesn't have the same goals as as Alex, but she cares for Alex and so she wants she supports him. You know. Yes. Yeah, I mean she, I mean she's there to help her grandma, mm-hmm. um, and she has a hard time leaving that. And it's not yeah. just that she just that's all she's she knows really. It seems yeah. like, and so she has a hard time giving it up. It's not much, but it's not a bad life. And no. that, that's what we get through the whole thing. It's like it's not bad to be there. Yeah, yeah. But and she's fine with staying. I mean, she's and, well. She's fine with leaving too, but she's like, I thought we would leave to the city, not yeah, yeah, not leave to outer space. Yeah, and one thing about it is the whole trailer park. It's like a whole community, like the bad tough guys. The tough guys are part of the trailer park, too. It's not like a rich house up on the hill where they're making fun of the kids from the trailer park, you know. And I actually really liked that because I get tired of the juxtaposition between wealthy and poor, you know. And this way, this in this case, they're not necessarily poor. They just live there, you know. Yeah, there's... Uh, um good people in the trailer park and bad not like evil, not really bad yeah they're kind of like selfish and mm-hmm. actually I some need of them, to watch my soaps one of them is that one guy with the truck is not from the trailer park he lives 30 miles oh that's way. right yeah he comes to pick her up regularly yeah he's like oh i'm just gonna but he's me. not judgmental against any of them in there no he hangs out with them just fine yeah. it's not i like that thing. yeah anyway so i wanted to talk a little bit about plot versus character Okay. This is a good example of when you can use both plot and character-driven storytelling in one story. Because there's a lot of plot-driven stuff. Like, Alex doesn't, you know, the base, having Centauri come is plot-driven. That's not character-driven. He right, didn't the, choose. The, the base getting blown up. Yeah. Uh, by the way, all the star other Starfighters die. He's the He's last the last Starfighter, starfighter literally. <laughs> the titular character. Yeah. That wasn't up to him. That wasn't a choice. You know, that was outside of the choices of the main characters. Yeah. And like I said, Centauri coming, Alex being, Beta Alex being left behind. That's not a choice he made, but it did affect the decisions characters made, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I really like that because I mean, when I'm writing like fantasy, it's important I think to have things be to have plot driven and character driven. Yeah, there's bit usually like in epic stories, there's big events outside of their control and how they react to them. Eventually, they do come to master those things. Yeah, I mean, they actually become involved in those epic choices yeah. and things that happen. But at the beginning, they don't. They're just like, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when Alex chooses to, to go back and fight and chooses to fight, that's when it becomes character driven because he's the one making the decisions. He's the one shooting, you know, and killing. And so <laughs> in his spaceship in his and spaceship. spinning around and around and around and around. Death Blossom. Yes. Death Blossom. Okay. <laughs> I still didn't catch all of the names, but okay. I now know what a, a gun star is. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I don't understand why it's called a gun star, because it has nothing to do with a star, but... <laughs> That's just what they call it. Yeah. It's kind of a cute name, you know? Star destroyers. They're not stars. They go around They stars. don't really destroy stars. Yeah. Unless well, they fall into them. A destroyer is a kind of ship. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They don't destroy stars, so they're not destroyers that destroy stars. I mean, a gun star. I mean, it flies around in the stars and has guns. So it's I mean, true. It's not completely crazy. Uh, his interactions with, what's his name, Glug or... Grig. Grig. <laughs> he, I love Grig. He's fantastic. Like, he's so... He is not what you would expect from an alien. His personality, you know, the way he treats Alex, it's awesome. He kind of slightly manipulates Alex to get Alex to do things he wants him to do, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, he's the last navigator to yeah. the last starfighter. Yeah. So he's like, he can't... I mean, a, a gun star has, you know, a pilot and a, a navigator. Mm -hmm. And he was the, the only navigator to survive because he was working on a prototype gun star when the hangar got blown up and all the other star fighters died. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he's the other half of the team. Yeah. They're, like, he's incomplete without Alex. He can't fight on his own without Alex. He wants yeah. to fight. He has to get Alex to want to fight. Yeah, exactly. So he's got that motivation. He's like, let's go and at least try because yeah. they're coming anyways. Uh, that that decision's been made for us. We're like, we can't decide if they're coming or not. They're coming. Yeah, exactly. What we do about it, we can decide. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he gets recruited. Well, we're kind of all over the place, but he gets recruited. Um, he rejects it to like Centauri, and then he goes back and then rejects it again. But mm -hmm. it's Grig, and Grig agrees to take him back, and then he accepts it before Grig takes him back. Yeah, he goes back to try to undo what's been done. Right. I mean, it's not like he's going back because like, oh, I'm going to fight. He's like, no, I want you guys to fix this. Right. Yeah, because like he's like, uh, I'm going to go tell him I'm not a starfighter. <laughs> yeah. And then Greg is like, uh, you, you're really the last starfighter. They're going to be hunting you. And they are. They are hunting him down. And they start yeah. sending... Zandozans. Zandozans? Okay, I was like, what are they called? Yeah. Anyway. The alien bounty hunter guys, shapeshifter guys that come to kill him. Awesome. All right. So you're ready for trivia? You have to vocalize yes. it. Okay. <laughs> they can't hear you nodding your head. <laughs> if I shake it hard enough, they can. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're rattling around in there. You're not dehydrated enough right now. Okay, so the screenwriter was working as a cab driver when he wrote it, according to IMDb, but according to the the DVD, he wasn't working as a cab driver. So I'm like, which is the right? Yeah, he was working at an ad agency, he said. He said. Something like that. So now I'm like, I don't know who to believe. Lies. Which one is Somebody's the lie? Somebody's lying. Yeah. Maybe he was doing both. Could be. I don't know. And he chose the more the more glamorous to talk about on the DVD. Of course, yeah. Of course. <laughs> well, I mean, he said he... I mean, he's... It could both be true, because he said he was working... He was writing 
screenplays while working at an ad agency. Yeah. That part is true, but he said, but maybe when he was... Working on this specific one, he, he ended was up a working as, as a cab, cab driver. driver. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, because he had more than one script, so we don't know where in the timeline that is. Yeah. So, like, maybe he's not a dirty liar. <laughs> but maybe he is. But maybe he is. <laughs> okay, so a reboot is in the works as of April 2018, and when I told Nolan that, he said, it's going to suck. And that I'm like, why? Because remakes almost always suck. Name one remake that was better than the original. Uh, I didn't really like the first set of Spider-Man movies with Toby What's-His-Face. Fair enough. Um, yeah. But, I and mean, the first Hobbit. Those aren't really real. The first cartoon Lord of the Rings versus the movie Lord of the Rings. Those are two different. <laughs> <laughs> animated one. Yeah, the uh, animated But, one. I mean, rarely do reboots succeed the original. Part of that's nostalgia that can't be overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why they should never redo the Star Wars movies. Why they were gonna. I know, but they yeah. shouldn't. They, they they still may. Who knows? Yeah. Um, which is bad news as well. Um, it's not that I'd... I mean, maybe it won't. Yeah. I would go see it and then judge it harshly. They have to They have to know that if you're going <laughs> to... Well, reboot. and the thing is, like, the first one... The only thing they're going to improve upon with the first one is the special effects. But we don't care about the special effects. We care about the characters and their acting and their, their interactions with each other. And yeah, they're that, not going to do as well in a reboot. No, I mean, that movie could take place today. It wouldn't really... Yeah. Change their wardrobe a tiny bit. Actually, not even that much. Not even that much. Because, like, they just <laughs> wear jeans and, like, t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. And they don't look that different for being 1984. No. Mm-mm. Especially with everybody wearing 1984-style clothes now. Their hair, the women's hair There's is There's lots of perms. <laughs> that is true. Really awful But, I mean, perms. even, like, the truck looks like a, you know, the fancy red truck that... It um, looks like it, something anybody could drive it today. Yeah. And you especially think, in our town. Yeah. You wouldn't think twice of, like, most of the crap that happens. Yeah. And it, it really feels kind of timeless in that way. Yeah. And the hero's journey is like a timeless storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has a lot of in common with Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Luke, you know, rejects rejects and his mentor dies and, you know. Did Luke Centauri. really reject? Luke was pretty accepting of everything. He was, yeah. He didn't put a, he didn't. No, because he's like, no, he said, uh, like, well, I have to stay through the harvest or blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you must think, you know. He's thinking, that's your uncle speaking. Yeah, he spends less time doing it. He gets into it way earlier than, than um, Alex. Alex does. Yeah. But he does. But Alex is also from Earth and Luke is not. And so Luke doesn't have to accept aliens because he knows they exist. Yeah, yeah. Leaving Tatooine is plausible to him because, like, because he knows that there's other planets. Yeah. Yeah. All right, trivia. Okay. <laughs> okay, so they actually, you know how people merchandise? They actually made a Last Starfighter video game. They tried to make one for, for home computers for the Atari, but the arcade is so much more advanced than an Atari was that the games wouldn't run on Ataris that people could actually have in their house, and so they never finished them. Sad. I know. So I'm like, maybe they could do that now, but... Yeah, because they they could get it to work in a arcade game because I mean arcade is like huge, you know those games right, they yeah. have more room for all the electronics. This video, this movie is called The Father of Special Effects, and so it is. And so it is. They had more special effects than Star Wars did. Star Wars CG, had barely yeah. any, yeah, CGI anything. Yeah, it it is like so much, so much nineteen eighty four CGI. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were using computers to make computers, I mean, to do things. And people have been sure. using computers to do computer graphics, to, like, show right. so like, a computer you know, like, screen instead of using a computer to create something completely mm-hmm. different. Like the Death Star map in Star Wars, that was computer, like, where they fly down the trench. Yeah. And it shows the, the diagram, basically, of them doing it. Yeah. That's CG. It is, but... 
their point, not, it was... Yeah, but this yeah. is outside of that. Like, yeah. the Death Star itself isn't CG. Yeah, it's a hanging model. Right, and in this, all the, the you know, the gun stars, the bad guys... They're the all CG. Command ship, yeah, they're CG. Yeah. Uh, the asteroids that mm-hmm. they were flying around. CG. Yep. Yeah, so, okay, so just to make clear what I was saying, um, in Star Wars, this the special effects are computers. So they're showing what computer, like in the future, what computers can do. Whereas in The Last Starfighter, the special effects are using computers to show the world and make it, like, mm-hmm. populate the yes spe- uh, the outside world. And anyway, so yeah, that's that. And then Centauri, Robert, what's his name? He's in the music, man. Centauri, the guy. Robert, what's his last name? something. It starts with P. Peters or... I shall find out. Robert Preston. Okay, so... Um, the Last Starfighter. Okay, so Robert Preston, the very first time he met Grig, Grig already had all of his makeup done up and everything, so he didn't He's he didn't get to see who Grig was underneath that. The first thing he said to Grig was, that's a face to remember. <laughs> <laughs> or no, that's a face you wouldn't forget. Something like that. He looks like a big brown... Turtle. Turtle. Yeah. Reptile. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to see them putting his makeup on a bit, and I wouldn't... Uh, man, I wouldn't handle that. No. Or Lord of the Rings, the orcs and Lord of the Rings. I wouldn't handle wearing makeup like that for any amount of time. No. I can't even wear foundation without feeling claustrophobic. All right. Ready for top takeaways? Yes. All right. So go ahead. Um, this has a very simple plot structure. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate. Simplicity. Simplicity. Mm-hmm. This is the hero's journey. Three acts. Yeah. Um, very basic. Yeah, and it's solid three acts. Like, each act is pretty much the same size as the act before. Uh-huh. This is good writing. Uh, you can, ob- you don't have to, I mean, you can play with it, of course. I mean, people have all the mm-hmm. time and still be good. But don't neglect your fundamentals. Yeah, trying to I say. like that. Mm-hmm. Simplicity worked great. Yeah, if you write romance, pick your trope, stick to it. Don't don't try to mix tropes too much because readers read for those tropes. They read for the hero's journey. They read for second chance romance, you know? Especially not early on in your career. Yeah. And later on, you can be more nuanced. But I mean, this movie did well. It did, yeah. It's classic. It's memorable. Mm-hmm. It's effective. It's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. All the things you'd want in a, a nice light sci-fi adventure movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's romance in there. Mm-hmm. You know, suspense. Mm-hmm. You know, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't underestimate simplicity. Sometimes people try to be, uh, they clever themselves out of a good story. Yeah, no kidding. By trying to just be too complicated. Mm-hmm. Some people can handle that and still be effective. Mm-hmm. But don't think just because your plot's straightforward that it's bad. Yeah. Something there do there does need to be some twists, and there is in this movie as well. But twists can be fine. They can still very be basic. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, unexpected things happen. Yeah. I didn't feel bored. I mean, you know, even though it was simple, straightforward, and not revolutionary in its structure, yeah, it still supplied me with interesting things to watch. Yeah. So, very, very good. Yeah. And number um, two? Uh, the, the characters' motivations were very clear, and they followed them through the entire movie. Mm-hmm. There were some arcs. Yeah. Like Maggie has an arc, and of course Alex has one. Yeah, those are the two the main. Town, townspeople all have arcs. I mean, yeah, they they are oblivious. They are accepting, and then they then they learn, and are they're still accepting. Yeah, yeah, because um, I mean, you know, Alex goes from trailer park guy to like galactic hero. Yeah, and then Maggie leaves with him, mm-hmm. and she wasn't even really willing to leave 
her trailer park at all. I mean, yeah. she was reluctantly willing to leave mm-hmm. to be nearby in the next city over and go to college with Alex or whatever. Yeah. But it, it's hard for her to, in that like last scene, to get on the starship and go to... And she, she, all, she does say no, and then she, she changes her mind as he's, you know... Yeah, he's like... Exiting. Exactly. He get, He's like, well, bye, because I'm doing this. You know, yeah. like, I can't not go. Yeah. Because they're after him, right? Like, when he goes to see, they're like, they're actually, like, cloaked or something. Like, you know, they're like, we can't hide forever from him. We're going to have to, you know, get back. So Offensive and all Yeah, that. exactly. So he's like, it, are you staying or going? And she's like, I'm staying. Mm-hmm. And then when she actually sees him leaving and what it would be like without him, she decides to go with him. Yeah. Well, and she also recognizes that that his desire to get out of the trailer park is not bad. And she's and she realizes that hers is based a lot on fear. And so she's like, I need to accept and overcome. Right, yeah. Is she, yeah, she was staying because she was afraid mm-hmm. of what else could be out there. Mm-hmm. And she didn't realize how much could be out there. Yeah. It's a lot more than she thought would be. So sum up your second point again, then? Uh, clear character motivations. Yeah. The choices they made made sense. Mm-hmm. According to their characters. Yeah. Like, Grig... You know, tries to get him to be a starfighter, you know. Yeah. Uh, Alex tries to get out of being a starfighter. Because he's got, Greg's got to support his many children. 6,000 griglets. <laughs> uh, you know, Centauri's got his moment. I mean, everyone's very clear. And yeah. it's, it, again, that feeds into the simplicity. They don't feel two-dimensional. They mm-hmm. A lot of them have multiple motivations. Or even, they have the one motivation, but it's um, for good reasons that you see why, like, what behind it. Maybe not Centauri, he just wants money. Yeah. But he's not a bad guy either, because he's like, at last I've found a starfighter. I've been looking, you know, my whole career to actually get one, because mm-hmm. they're so rare. Yeah. And he's like, but it never hurts to be rich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his motivation, and he has two motivations. He's not in it just to hustle. He's not trying to sell fake starfighters. He wants no, to find yeah. real starfighters and yeah. make money doing it, because exactly. they're hard to find. Well, he's he's a merchant, a merchant or whatever. He is a merchant, yes. And that there's not necessarily anything bad with being a merchant, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, can I give mine? Yeah. Okay, so number one, uh, make your char- characters realistic. Um, make them realistic heroes. So Alex runs away from the alien dude. The Zandozans. The yeah. Zandozan. But, so he runs, but he doesn't keep running. He actually finds a club to attack with. And I like that because I'm like, look, he is not, he's going back to fight. He's not running. He's he's a hero. He's somebody worth cheering for. And they, they establish that for us, you know? Yeah. yeah, the other guy's got a laser gun and he's got his bare hands and a jacket. And the other guy, and the other guy stinks and drips things. <laughs> yes, he's a scary, gross monster. Yeah, and Alex is, you know, he runs, so that's realistic. Pretty much anyone would run, you know, but then he grabs a weapon to but attack he, with. But he didn't scream and flail his arms no, and no. beg for someone to save him. No. Okay, so number two, draw on a bigger audience. When you when you write, okay, if you're writing science fiction, you will gain a bigger audience if you started on Earth and go to the other planet. He's a, he's the, your viewpoint character, and he's approachable. Yes. yes. You, you see his normal life and then how it changed. Yes. So the first time I watched this, I didn't realize that, and this is, this don't desert Earth. So in this story, they actually go back to Earth, and we watch the characters on Earth. We watch Beta Alex. We watch Maggie and his brother, Louis, or whatever his name is. And the first time I watched this, I didn't realize. I thought that he left Earth and that he would just be 
up fighting. And I'm like, this is not interesting to me. And I think that's the reason I didn't pay attention to it when we first watched it. This time, watching it for the podcast, I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. You know, watching how Beta Alex interacts with Maggie and and the brother and him taking his head off to, to you know, make things. Repairs. Yeah, make repairs. And I really like that. There's a lot of comedy in this movie. And there's romance. And they don't desert Earth. And so... I mean, you can't, obviously, you're going to be doing, if you're doing hard sci-fi, it's not going to have Earth. I wouldn't say this is hard sci-fi, you know. No, it's a it's a space opera. Yeah, exactly. And so... Maybe not quite space, because it's not, like, grand in scope enough as no. Star Wars. But no. it is a sci-fi movie, I mean... It is know. soap opera-esque, though. Yeah, it is. And... Um, yeah, so I'm not your target audience, basically, if you're going to be doing big sci-fi on a different planet. And I'm going to say, if I hadn't grown up with Star Wars, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I do. My We watched it all the time growing up, and so I love it. But as an adult, if somebody had been like, here, let's watch this movie about these people on an alien planet that has nothing to do with Earth, I'd probably have been like, nah, you know? And so... I'm not the target audience for science fiction, but um, I did really enjoy this one because of the things that I mentioned, the comedy and yeah, the way they play the different worlds together. Earth matters to Alex. Yeah. His life there matters. Yeah. And so what happens there affects the story. I mean, yeah. even though he's not there, those events tie into him. Yeah. Because, you know, so it's not, yeah, you're right. It's, it's very close. I mean, it's sci-fi and they do leave mm-hmm. and come back, but... Mm-hmm. It's still an important part of the story. Yeah. Things that just happen in a trailer park on Earth or yeah. have galactic importance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. So if you haven't watched this movie, it really, I mean, I actually laughed out loud, genuine laughing several times. And so, I, I mean, check it out. Like, go watch it. It's fun. I mean, if only just to see how Maggie and, and Beta Alex interact and how he tries to kiss her and... <laughs> he mimics the guy making out with another girl talk, and talk dirty to should her. I talk dirty to you now? <laughs> She's like, ugh. <laughs> All those other women meant nothing to me. <laughs> so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty much it for this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you? Art with Nolan on Instagram. Yeah, we ended up creating an Instagram account for Nolan. There's already a bunch of stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah, I actually started, I posted a picture he put up, um, he drew on my BookBub Promotions and More group. And one of the authors there was like, hey, does he have an Instagram account? Because I'd totally follow him if he did. And we were like, what? You know, people are interested. And it's what I've been telling Nolan all along. He's got fantastic art that people want to see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's mainly just a coffin. <laughs> There's there's six pieces of art and three of them are coffin updates. No, there's seven now. Yeah, yeah. It there's like work in progress. So you get to see the steps of me. Yeah. Like there's pencil and some ink on there. Yeah. And gradually the ink overtakes the pencil. Yeah, yeah. And so he's got a bunch of followers now, which is exciting. October is. Uh, Inktober. Inktober. And Drawloween. Drawloween on uh, Instagram. And it's like drawing prompts. Every day. It's like NaNoWriMo, but in October for drawing people. And there's every day there's a different thing to draw. Right. Yes. And I have failed. I've only done one, two. You did three. You didn't count the vampire, but you did draw several vampires. Yeah, that sucks. Compared to this drawing, anyway. Not everything works out. Yeah. I knew it, and I stopped and moved on to something, and I was successful. There yeah, you go. so go find him on Instagram if you do Instagram. Then you can see that he really is an artist. <laughs> we, don't, just... we don't just say he's an artist. <laughs> and he'll eventually have Twitter and a Facebook account set up, too. You yeah, know. I'll get around to that. But at least I'm doing stuff. Yeah, and it's, and it's exciting. He's actually been drawing quite regularly again. I've, and we've been posting old stuff on Instagram. 
Anyway, and you can find me in the BookBub Promotions and More group or on email, andreaselfpublishstrong.com. This weekend and next half of next week, I'll be at the Business Masterclass in Vegas. And we've already recorded our short episode that's going to be going live next week. We did a mic test with a couple of my brother's new mics just to see if we like them better. And in order to do that, we had to do the interview or the podcast up ahead of time, the episode. And so I would have liked to have actually done, maybe when we get back, we'll do a recap of things that I learned at the conference. I think that's a good idea instead of, um, instead of watching a movie for the week after, or we'll do the ghost of Mr. Chicken at some point. I don't know, but I need, I'll do a recap of things that I learned there. It's a very, very valuable conference, but it is very expensive, $750. So, but last year was pretty much life-changing. It's actually when I decided to start a podcast, when I started doing um, courses, I got my books all finished, everything. I mean, it's very, it was very instrumental in our future, which you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if it weren't for last year. Anyway, so I do highly recommend uh, Dean Wesley Smith and his courses and Christine Catherine Rush. And if you, yeah, go look them up just to see their workshops and stuff. They're very, very valuable. And this year, the guests are going to be Damon Courtney from Book Funnel and Mark Lefebvre, formerly from Kobo, now from draft to digital <laughs> And Kevin Anderson, David Farland. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember who else. Christine Catherine Rush and Dean Wesley Smith and me and a bunch of other authors who aren't as as big as Kevin J. Anderson and Dean, you know, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, email me if you have any questions. Come to BookBub Promotions and more and follow Nolan at Art with Nolan on Instagram. Yep. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. No interruptions from the kid. I call it a success. Hooray. Yay. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>